0: It's a great honor to be here this morning. Um, It's a privilege to be here the first Sunday of December, the first Sunday of our Christmas season. Christmas is always a special time, um, especially here back at home. It just seems much more brighter, much more cheery, much more commercialized um but it's a shorter season than usual in Ukraine um uh now that they have started to celebrate the 25th as well as the 7th of January christmas goes christmas season goes from the beginning of December till the middle of, to the end of January um and so it's very prolonged it's a lot of opportunity Um, to share the gospel through different outreaches, through different um, visitations with uh, either orphanages or going to villages or doing children's outreach using the Christmas story, the Christmas message. Um So even though we're here in the States, continue to pray for the church in Ukraine as they gear up and and begin their uh, strong push um, this Christmas season, you know, <clears throat> I, um, as I was looking at and 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 seeking what to what to share this morning, um, of course it's going to be Christmas, but maybe in some of your minds it'll be a stretch as to how did you come by this as a Christmas message, Joel, or as a Christmas teaching, um, but. Last December, last December, and as uh, maybe you heard, maybe not, um, uh, a year and a half ago, well, a year in October, I was ordained in Ukraine and uh, uh, became part of the pastoral staff of the church in in Kiev. thank you. Um, but it was over a year ago, almost two years ago now, um, being ordained here. At the home church, and I was given the task of leading the youth there at the at the church in in Kiev. Um, and for a number of years, the church the youth has been in church, but not really a um, a distinctive part of the church, um, and so. When Pastor asked me, Pastor Boyka asked me to lead the youth, he, may, he said, Joel, we'd like to give you the Sunday evenings for your youth, youth services, which is something very, um, it was very surprising to the other youth leaders there, those, uh, those that had or were um, helping with the youth, because for a number of years, that was taken away from the youth or, or it was moved and the youth were given maybe once a week or once a month or uh, once a quarter a service. Um, and so pastor said, Joel, I want you to take the evening service, the, the Sunday evening service, and I want it to be a youth service. And he said that to me the summer of the 1st of 2020, last, last year, I can't believe 2020 is only last year. seems like a long time ago. Um, but this was the middle of the pandemic. This is when we were in one of the tightest, the lockdowns that we had. And the question was, how are we going to pull this off? How are we going to have youth come? Are they even going to want to come? Um, and so we went into it with, um, with doubts, with um, questions. How is this all going to work? But we said, you know, if only... 10, 15 youth come, we're still going to do it. Praise the Lord, we'll go from there. Um, And praise the Lord a lot more than 10 or 15 came. um, And we've consistently had between 50 and 80 young people. And when I say youth, I mean from teenage years all the way up to mid-30s if they're unmarried, young couples um, also. And so our youth... Group is very big or very wide range of, of of age. Um, praise the Lord that God has blessed our services, He's blessed the, the, the leading of it. God had me, um, led me to put together a committee of young men, young fathers, many of them. Um, and it's been neat to see, as honestly, a number of them had questions why did they ordain Joel he's an American he's you know a, he speaks Russian not Ukrainian the question was there and it's been neat to see how God's changed hearts um, and how he's knitted our team together how he's brought us uh, with uh, given us a, a mission and, and, a, and a focus in um, in leading the youth and how the youth has now become a strong driving force in the church in a good way. Um, how other ministries in the church have seen the youth grow and the youth's hunger and the youth's desire to be in church and either started grabbing the youth and bringing them to their ministry or inviting us to come and either lead or, or help with different ministries. Um, so I praise the Lord for that. But last Christmas, um, we had the idea to have an all-night Christmas program, um, and so the twenty-third to the twenty-fourth, or the twenty-fourth to the twenty-fifth—sorry, the twenty-fourth to the twenty-fifth—we invited our youth to come, and from ten thirty till six o'clock the next morning, um, we had our youth in in the church, and we had different different um activities different uh messages different um ways in which they got to experience and see the Christmas story in a different way um, when they shortly after they first got there we divided them into groups and they went through a Christmas quest which is a a a Christmas journey where they met different characters from the Christmas story, and they got to interact with them. They got to talk with them. They got to um, uh, do different activities with them. And so they met. Um, they met the the um, the census taker. They met uh, the shepherds in the field. They met with uh, Mary and Joseph. They met with the angels. They met with um, the Roman soldiers that were that were. Uh, uh, calling um, uh, the jews to to the census, and it was neat to see as they experienced this Christmas story in an interactive way um, and our emphasis was that the christmas story is god's gift god's historical gift to mankind. this is a historical this is an actual story that took place in history Um, a lot of times we see it as a production or a movie or it's simply a nice picture on the front of a card we see the manger scene and i think for many it's become just that a beautiful picture a beautiful um, setting where all is calm and all is quiet where the star is shining, everyone's looking adoringly at Jesus, and yet when they interacted with the census taker, or they interacted with Herod, um, and, and, and his decree that the, 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 all the boys should be killed, they saw, I, I, I hope, and from what we heard afterwards, they saw the reality of this historical event. Um, and so... <clears throat> We have the first. We have the first gift that God gives each of us at Christmas, and that's the historical gift. That's this historical story of Jesus' birth and his um, and his coming to earth um, as a little baby. Secondly, our second part of the service was a time of prayer, but it was a it was also interactive. It was a prayer walk where they walked amongst uh, they went to different uh, classrooms and in each classroom there was a different emphasis on what they, the prayer their prayer could be to the lord in these different classrooms in one area it was um, uh, where they prayed internationally where they prayed for different missionaries in different countries for the christians in these countries especially persecuted countries Um, and then there was another area where they another class classroom where they saw what god had given them the blessings that they had in christ and so this was the second gift that we wanted to show was first you have the gift of the historical fact secondly you have a the gift of what god is giving us through his son jesus christ through um this beautiful story the nativity what he has given those who believe um <clears throat> but there was one other gift and and coming into this night the night was um a, a celebration of three gifts and the third gift we left till the end and i want to share a little bit of this gift with you this morning um but you know christmas is the story of jesus part of the triune god coming down to earth as a human as a human baby coming down so that he could save mankind um this morning if you have your bibles i want you to um turn to mark you can say well joel The Christmas story is not in Mark. I told you it was going to be a bit of a stretch, so follow with me. Um, Because Christ coming to earth didn't stop that Christmas night. The reason Christ came to earth didn't stop that Christmas night. And the reason Christ came to earth didn't end when he arose from the dead and when he went back into heaven. As we see in 1 Timothy 2.4, Paul writes to Timothy... Who, and he's speaking of God, will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And so we see that the story of Christmas and the mission of Christmas is that all men might be saved. So this morning I want to read uh, Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5 we see a very interesting and as a child I love this story. It's very colorful. It's very in your face it's very dramatic mark chapter 5 i'm going to start with the first verse and they came unto the other side of the sea into the country of the gadarenes and when he was come out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him no not with chains For he said unto him, Jesus said unto the, unto the possessed man, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And the man answered, saying, My name is Legion. For we are many. And Jesus besought him much, or uh, and this man besought him much, Jesus, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they, and they that saw it told them how it behel, befell to him that was possessed with the devil, devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And, he was, and when he was coming to the ship, Jesus, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him albeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. And he departed, this man, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. In Matthew, we have a slightly different variant of this story, but we see this deliverance of this man who is on the outskirts of society. He's so far on the outskirts that he's in the cemetery running among the tombs literally as a crazy man. Because we see after God, after Jesus has delivered him, it specifically says he's clothed and in his right mind, which means... Before this, he was unclothed and out of his mind. And so we see this amazing story. And yet what struck me as I was reading this was the interaction at the end. The interaction at at the beginning and in this story is pure Jesus. This is Jesus. He came to earth to set men free. He came to earth to deliver men from the bondage of sin, the bondage of Satan. But the interaction that Jesus has with this man afterwards, before he's talking to the spirit or the spirits in this man, his conversation, Jesus knows that the physical man standing in front of him is not who's in control here. It's these these, uh, spirits, these demons. And yet, after Jesus delivers him, after he sends the spirits, this legion of spirits into the swine, and the swine go into the sea. And just a, a side note, why is it that Jesus sent these into the swine and then the swine ran, the pigs ran into the sea? And as I was thinking of this, the thought came I think Jesus orchestrated this all. So that once this man was in his right mind, once he was clothed, once he was following the Lord, there wasn't the fear that these over 2,000, two we could say, there was at least 2,000 pigs, this legion of spirits, there was no fear that they could come back and haunt him again. He had seen these pigs go into the sea, and it clearly says that they died. The deliverance that Jesus gives a person is complete and utter and there's no need to fear of it coming back to haunt us again. But we see this interaction of Jesus. Here this man comes. Jesus gets into the, into the boat. This maybe wasn't on Jesus' agenda. Maybe Jesus wanted to go further. But these people from the outlying villages come. They see the loss of their livelihood in these pigs gone into the sea. And they say, we don't want anything to do with you. This area of Decapolis was mainly a Greek area, thus the name, and it means ten cities. This area of these cities was was, um, uh, occupied by heathens. Um, And so they wanted Jesus out of there, lest he do any more damage, lest he send any more pigs into the sea lest he cause any more problems and so jesus gets back into the boat and this man comes to him who's now clothed and in his right mind he comes back to him and he says i want to go with you i want to follow you and we read that jesus basically tells him no and sends him home wait a minute jesus invited 12 men to follow him we know that jesus had a great crowd that followed him and yet this man who we could say could be the poster child of Jesus' ministry, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to go back home. Why is it that Jesus would send this man back home? Why wouldn't Jesus want this man? And uh, another thought came, this is very much Jesus. We can see that Jesus was not here to set up a church church. a physical church a gathering and a physical church around him because many times when a pastor has that kind of salvation that kind of story in his church he wants that brother to sit on the front row he wants that brother to give his testimony he wants that brother to go out and to share but to remain in his congregation and there's nothing wrong with that but we see here Jesus has a much greater plan. Jesus has a much bigger plan. This man recognizes that the gift he's been given is a gift of mercy and grace. He's grateful. He wants to be close to Jesus. He wants to walk with him. He wants to hear his teaching. He wants to be with the man who has the power to drive out this legion of spirits. But this morning, I want to focus on Jesus' command to him. Read again verse 18 through 20. And when he was coming to the ship, Jesus, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him, howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But said unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish into Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him And all men did marvel. He tells this man, go home. Tell them what God has done in your life. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell those that you once knew, those that were close to you, tell them about God's change in your life. And when we look at the Christmas story, isn't this what the shepherds did? Remember the shepherds, the first night of Christmas, after they heard the angels and they found Jesus lying in the manger. What does it say in Luke chapter 2, verse 16 and 17? They, the shepherds, came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying that was told them concerning this child. And I want us this morning to see that this is the mission that God is giving us this Christmas season. This mission of going and telling our friends and family what God has done in our life. What is a testimony? What is a testimony but God's story of His grace and mercy, His forgiveness in our lives? We each have a unique story. My story is not like Pastor Luke's. My story is not like my dad's. My story is a unique one-of-a-kind story, and each of us has this kind of story. Each of us has something that we can share how God gave us. And so there's three things that I want us to see very quickly in this command of Jesus um, to go home and tell what God has done. First, we see what we are to tell. What are we to tell as we go back, as we go home, as we talk to those Um, this Christmas season. We see here in this verse that we are simply to tell what God has done for us personally. What He has personally done in our lives. Jesus didn't tell this man to go home and share some deep spiritual doctrine that He had learned in the synagogue. He didn't tell him to go home and share from a sermon that He had heard. He didn't tell him to go home and share what you read in some theological book. He told him, go home and tell what God has done in your life. When we share our testimony, it's not a time to share our biblical knowledge in the fact that simply to show what we know, what we know about or from the Bible. We're not to go home and tell what God has done in someone else's life god wants us to share what he's done in our life god's command was simple go home and tell what god has done for you it's interesting growing up i loved to read and what is it that makes an old sailor's stories interesting they're interesting because the sailor is telling about his own experiences Sometimes an old sailor will expand his stories, but the basis of his stories are his own experiences, the travels, the journeys, the ports he's been in, the people he's interacted with, what he's seen. I loved reading autobiographies as a boy, and I loved reading them because they were firsthand accounts of what God has done in someone's life on this mission field or on that mission field. What God has done and changing many of you recog- are, are familiar with the radio program unshackled i love listening to it as a child and i recently um, discovered it again on podcasts i can listen to it even in ukraine um, and so many times when i'm driving on my own i'll turn that on why are they so interesting because they are personal accounts but what makes it really interesting is for me is they are told in the first person. It's someone telling their own story. God has given us a story, a wonderful story of His salvation, of His saving grace. This is what He wants us to share. We are to go home and we are to tell our story. But we also need to go home and tell God's story of grace. Sometimes we can get wrapped up in telling the the details of what we did what we have done to be saved what we the decisions we made or or the steps we took to clean up our life and in sometimes when i hear a testimony it's almost as if they've taken god's story and kind of twisted it into their own look at what i've done look at look at the steps i've made to clean up my life and yet as we see with this this possessed man, there was nothing this man could do. Nothing this man could do. He couldn't even speak to Jesus directly. Someone was speaking through him. And yet, here we see Jesus say, go home and tell your story. Go home and tell the story of God's grace. We need to find that balance, that balance of free will. God gives each one free will, but also that story of God's grace. It's God who works in us. It's God who prompts a person to go for the first time to church. It's God, it's, that whole, it's the Holy Spirit who prompts a person to go forward in repentance. This is His story, just as much, if not even more, it's absolutely more than our story. He wants us to tell His story of His grace in our life. Secondly, why are we to tell this story? Why are we to share our testimony? And it's pretty simple. We are to share His story in our life out of love for Him. You know, when Lorianne gives me a gift, I'm prou- proud to show others what she's given me and to say, Lorianne gave this to me. This was a gift from her. And why is it? It's because I love Lorianne. I love the fact that she took the time to um think or to or to plan a gift. I love the fact that she um she saw me as special. I love the fact that she took uh um the time and my love for her prompts me to share what she's done. Why do I love to have people over to the house? Because Lorianne makes really yummy food. I love Showing off what kind of cook Lorianne is. This is why we should share Christ's work in our life. Because we love Him. We love to show off who He is, how powerful He is, how how, um, uh, merciful He is in our life. And secondly, we can go home and tell others because we're grateful for His wonderful love and mercy. During the pandemic, Lorianne and I watched a series, a TV series on Netflix about people who committed different crimes and how they were caught. And I understand it's not the most spiritual thing to watch, but when you're on a lockdown, (laughs) sometimes the mind wanders. Um, But we watched this. But one thing I... I thought of over and over as we watched the story of people who committed some terrible crimes was if it wasn't for God's mercy in my life, I could be one of these stories. If it wasn't for God's grace in my life, I could be an alcoholic today. I could be a drug addict today. I could be on the streets tonight. I could be in one of the prisons that my brothers or some of the men here guard None of us, except for God's mercy and grace, are exempt from committing even the worst crimes. And I'm here today because of any, not because of any good I've done, but because God's mercy and His love for me. When we, when we begin to realize just how much God has done in our lives, our hearts are filled with gratefulness. And in gratitude, we're going to want to tell others about His works so that they can experience the same thing you know if i found a treasure i want to share that treasure with others i want to share i want to tell others how they can receive that same gift of mercy and grace and so we're to tell others out of our love for him and out of our gratefulness to him and thirdly why should we tell this story or excuse me how should we tell this story How should we tell this story? We're to go home and tell family and friends what God has done in our life. We need to tell it honestly. We should not embellish our story with others' stories. Taking a bit of this story and this story and this testimony and this testimony and kind of melding it in. You know, for a long time, as I was working with orphans in in Russia, and um, even after we had moved down to Ukraine and working with children, especially in these poor villages, sometimes the thought would come to me, well, how are they going to get, how are they going to understand my testimony? I don't have the background they have. I don't have the, the um, drug addicts for parents. I didn't have the drug addicts for parents. I didn't have the abusive home uh, growing up. I didn't have these problems that so many that we, that we work with have. How can I relate? How can my testimony relate to them? And I, there were even times when I thought, you know, if I just had a testimony like this person, or like this person, who did have those rougher backgrounds, then I could relate, then I could share, then I could be more um, evangelistic even. And yet, God has shown me over the years that there also needs to be people that have that Christian testimony, that godly home testimony. Because as I work more with youth in our own church, youth that have grown up in Christian homes, that have nice, loving families, that have the good family home, And yet, there's still problems in their parents' marriage. There's still issues that that they're dealing with. God has shown, Joel, your testimony is to show others how to begin. How to begin. How to, you know, I can share a bit of mom and dad's testimony and say it has to begin somewhere. A walk and a relationship with God has to begin somewhere. And this is the fruit of it. Nothing that I've done, but God's grace comes down through parents and it goes into children. And you can start this. And so let's not be afraid of our mild, good testimony maybe that you, you might have. Don't be afraid that, well, this person on the streets is not going to understand me. God wants to show them a different testimony through you. God wants to show faithfulness from a young age up so that when they, when God saves them, they can recognize and see my child can be different. My family, my home can be different. God wants us to share in an honest way our own testimony, what he's done in our lives. No matter what level it's on, some of you have pretty crazy testimonies. Some of you have more church testimonies. And yet God wants to share. God wants us to share those. But He also wants our lives to be a reflection of the words we say. And this is the the last thing that that I want us to see in this. Jesus said, Go home to your family and share what God has done for you and the mercy and the compassion He's shown to you. Can you imagine this man going back home and walking through the door and his parents seeing him for the first time after who knows how long being away can you imagine what do they see first and foremost they haven't even heard him speak but what do they notice about this man he's wearing clothes yeah (laughs) the last time we saw him he was running around like a jaybird He's wearing clothes. He's different. There's something about him. He's sane. He doesn't have that wild-eyed look. He's coming in. He's sitting down, and he's speaking with us. He may be telling us a fantastic story, but we can see through his life that this story that he's telling is real, that the salvation that he has is broader than just words. This is a life That has been changed. And this is what our life needs to reflect as we share this Christmas season. As we share with our family and friends the story that God has put into us. We need to ask ourselves, is my life a reflection of the testimony that God has given me? Jesus tells this man to go home and to tell those at home about what God has done in his life. We see the gift God has given us in His Son, the historical gift, and we're going to see that more and more. We're going to see it this weekend. We see all we have in Jesus. We see the blessings. We see the benefits. We see the joy and the peace that we have in Jesus. And now it's our turn to continue this Christmas story. And not just continue by retelling the Christmas story. That's important. But a continuation of the Christmas story is retelling the story that God has done in our lives. It's our turn to give that third gift. This is what we told the the young people last Christmas, and this is what I want us to see today, is this next gift of God is dependent on us. We have been given so much. It's our turn to turn around and give that gift to others. To go home, and tell our friends and family what God has done in our life. I would hope that as we celebrate this Christmas, but also as we go into 2022, that we would make it a year of sharing our testimony, of sharing what God has done in our life, that we would be bold to witness of the mercies and grace of God in our life. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.